podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, Neil here. I hope you're enjoying this Anfield Rap Free Week extravaganza that we're putting out. It's right the way through the week uh, that we're looking to show you what the Anfield Rap content offering is day in, day out. You can get the videos on YouTube, you're getting the audio where you get your audio from. But ultimately, we're proud of what we do. We're very proud indeed of what we do. And what we want is for you to enjoy and share in what we do. We want you to come and be part of what the Anfield Rap is all about and what could be a really exciting Liverpool season. So if you like all of this, once the free week is over, feel free to sign up and subscribe to the Anfield Rap. You can do it in a number of different places. There's Patreon, there's through the app, and there's the AnfieldRap.com forward slash subscribe. We we want you to come on board with us. We hope you're enjoying all of this. All the best. Hello, it's another Alphabet Soup. We are up to F, back down to F, uh, but we're certainly doing F, and I've got some F and great fellas uh, <laughs> with me. Um, we've got, we've, I think it is fair to say have been called worse uh, in their time. I've got uh, yeah, Kev Walsh, David Cavana, <laughs> and Neil, Ock- Neil Atkinson. Neil uh, yeah. I know, yeah. I've had, I've had one swig of Camden Hells and of anyone's he's, mm-hmm. he's done that much work that he's listening nearly like him an alias. I like the idea of Octon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's he up to? Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to start with a, a Liverpool legend. I'll start with you, Kev. Oh, um, thanks very much. <laughs> and I'll, well, you, I'll get you to talk about another Liverpool legend, and that's Joe Fagan. Oh. He's not. He's 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 probably not as as well known as, as others. I think it is fair to say because of the company he kept. Yeah, it is. Uh, but at any other club, I mean, for for what he won in in that in that season, he was manager. But not just that. For his entire catalogue of mm. his of his career, you know, a man who's, who's who's so ingrained in this in this football club and 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 this team now. The definition of Liverpool Football Club would be someone like Joe Fagan. That's what we were all brought up on. Yeah, um, that the whole boot room thing had to have its key components, and that's why people who were you know of full value um, in that no you know no fools suffered all that business. So he, he goes through the progression in the ranks, doesn't he? You know, in the fact that you know, like sort of like you know trainer and you know on hand medic and coach and you know all the jobs, you know, and just the, the proper old school fella that you think you know would like worked. In his life, actually had a job, right? And football is a job. But you, 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 that, yeah. that sort of fella that comes across that you could absolutely relate to your, to your granddad. Yeah, you know, absolutely that. The granddad thing's massive for me. Yeah. In, that, my, in my head, he sort of looks like every Liverpool granddad ever. Completely, but also, yeah. they're a bit showbiz as well. Oh, like he's yeah, a bit no, like a he's like he's a bit Ronald Reagan. You know, he's a bit of star. That yeah. picture, that picture of him where he's got his where he's by the pool and he's I think that's the one I'm thinking of. In that we all know that one way or another, we've all got a granddad or something. Yeah, sometimes I mean. You find a picture of your uncle, you're like, you're fucking cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was his mafia. That was his mafia picture, wasn't it? Yeah, Do you know what yeah. I mean? You know, here, here yeah. I am, like, you know, but he, he, dialing back to it, you know, to, to tap it to tap into where, where we were, you know, Billy Shankly uh, makes us the greatest team in the country. Uh, and we weren't even the greatest team in the city at this point. Uh, and and he trusted, he had absolute trust in his lieutenants there you know he, he knew and he, he, he backed them he always spoke highly of them and whatever and you could and you could re- like I say you could really relate to him um, I remember uh, an interview a, a million years ago um, it was something like um, 
they, they were something like Liverpool was in, in the race for the title or something like that. And uh, you'd have, in the old days, you might have had like a 30 second clip after match of the day or an interview after or whatever. And he, and he said to the journalists, and this is why he's managing the greatest team in the world, he said something like, I can't do anything for you this weekend, lads. I'm painting the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and, it was, and it was genuine. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like a punchline. It was, yeah. that is the case. It's, I am it's my wife, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, so to, so to talk about, all that is to talk about the character that comes across and just the impression that you've got but by definition for Liverpool to go from also ran in the second division you know and, and, and the career that, you know, that he's had before and, you know, and, and going around and being an old pro um, to taking Liverpool to the heights that he took them and not just the fact that they won things but the manner in which Liverpool won things and Liverpool won things under Shankly uh, passing the ball better than anybody else, learning, absorbing and learning from the European journey. So this isn't just an old school fellow who looked great, you know, and smoked this many ciggies and could knock it out on a Friday <laughs> and whatever. It wasn't, any, it wasn't just that, you know, and it could have been a boxing referee, all those things. It was also, he must have been ahead of his time and someone who was absorbing to change within the game and making, you know, and Liverpool were like leaps and bounds ahead. Yeah. So while England couldn't qualify for the World Cup, England's best team, could dominate Europe because they, they, they knew to harness the, the strength of the English game, um, the strength of the European game that was evolving and the crowd as well and all those things. So, the, you know, the company that he kept in your name, you know, the boot room is, is so legendary and he's the, the, the personification of that and the most under, underrated manager that could ever happen and it could only happen in a, in a city like Liverpool and in a club like Liverpool when he gets the gig at this point in the journey. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we go on and do everything after him and we go on and we've done everything before him and he was kind of like um, a caretaker almost and I remember when he, he, he'd been talking about retirement and that and it was like, I'm just too old and I just thought, no you can't be, you know, because the boot room goes on forever, this is yeah. the deal, you know and, and, I, I, so, and I think also part of it would be, they were so successful at it, Liverpool, with regard to the boot room and that, I think it was something that Liverpool as a club and as a fan base missed a trick with because subsequent eras in football, they'll change the manager quickly enough. They'll change, you know, change the ownership. And we didn't want to do that. What we wanted was, we wanted someone who'd played for the club, coached with the club, been on the bench, moved through, and you know, gone to the first team trainer, managed the reserves, won all this Central League a million times, even more than won the, the first division. And we wanted this progression. And the game had moved on. But he was, they were the last of the, you know, in with, with Evans and all, they were the last of the Shankly boys. And that, that, that you know... Quite frankly, um, you know, us as Liverpool fans, you know, watching the glory of the, you know, the great teams that we've all had, are all built from somewhere. It's got to start somewhere, and it started with Joe Fagan. And it's not just, it's not a cliche. It's not because we like, we like the sound of him, we relate to him, because because he had that football great brain about moving things on. Yeah. You know, when the put down he gave to Elton John, for example, in the changing rooms, you know, where, you know, in, in the boot room, can I, oh, can I have a drink in there? Can I have some kind of cocktail? It's like, well, there's a big gym, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, all those, all those yeah. things, you know what I mean. Um, you could so much relate to it, but he obviously moved the game forward, and um, it, it's very unfortunate in the fact that you know the, the greatest job that he, he could ever ask for, and I think he wanted it, you know, and I think he enjoyed having it and was proud to have it. He didn't have it for long enough because it was just he was that old by the time of it, and I know other things that happened and that, and people talk about that. But let's concentrate on him as a man and him as someone who was employed by Liverpool Football Club and all that we achieved. Uh, no nonsense, smart fella who knew what was what and knew you couldn't kid the audience. That's a great foundation that then you can move forward from. So legend is uh, an overused word and it's underused with Joe Fagan. I loved 
learning about these characters and you were like me kept growing up you'd watch every liverpool video yeah. i owned nine or ten of them the ones i didn't used to get out from the video shop and my mum was like you sure you want that again lad and i was like yeah i do just just learning about the history and you know we'd even get the history videos they were 80 percent the same as the last one just with something different and, and learning about these characters and obviously shankly was was the main one because you know how people spoke about him and, and how you could hear him speak but then but then all the others in the boot room i loved it and joe fagan was just another character i i, I loved you know learning about it then and then asking me dad about it and all that yeah i was exactly the same it was like you think about the like the legacy that they've left on the club but at the time when we were like when we were learning about them the legacy it was just becoming apparent that it was a legacy but it wasn't going to last forever yeah and i think cap said before about later on we probably sh- maybe should have been a little bit quicker to change what the idea was but the problem was well there was a generation of kids born about some of them even after fagan had retired who still yearned like me and john did for the days of the boot room we never experienced it Mm. but we still wanted the club to go on in that tradition and it's probably it speaks to the quality of the men that you're talking about not even just shankly paisley fagan you're talking like reuben bennett tom saunders men like that you know what i mean without without them Liverpool Football Club wouldn't be the club it is now. My favourite bit about Fagan is the fact that he still lived like a two-minute walk Manfield when he was managing us. He lived just off Priory Road. Yeah. How mad is that, you know what I mean? Imagine <laughs> the Liverpool manager. Imagine Jürgen Klopp lived in one of them houses just off Priory Road. Now, literally, it, he, he lives... Where's that, if anyone who doesn't know, or lived just where Stanley Park, the corner of it is on Priory Road by the cemetery. Just... To, Directly opposite that in the road there, like while he was Liverpool manager, that's insane, isn't it? When you think about it, and that's like it's not even a million years ago, it's like 1985. What's going on? Some younger listeners might be going, 1985 is a lifetime ago. Well, fuck off. I've got got some life left in me, but again, it shows how different the time was. He was probably, you said before, about he gave the legacy but he was probably the turning point from it, it's very much in our history goes Shankly Paisley Fagan Darglish but then Darglish is definitely in the modern era isn't yeah. he he was in the boot room that, no. that's what I mean player, so he, he was a player and then yeah. he's come through and Fagan was the one who sort of was at that transition period and listen we haven't even mentioned the fact that he won a treble yeah. unbelievable like yeah. what and, and, and not just is. and not just winning it but that final Beating Roma on their own pitch, yeah. you know that that, that isn't you know. I mean, at, at 19 minutes, we should have won the European Cup on away goals. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's a fact. Do you know what I mean? It should never have happened that uh, that situation. You know the the fact that they had you know world stars and you know a fanatical crowd and overwhelming. You know, they're so intimidating. But he was just he knew he was going to win, and we all trusted him. And he come from that tried and trusted because it, it wasn't just like well Liverpool always win. It's like you know we, we you know don't worry about us because we'll because st- we can stand up for ourselves as well. We can play, but we can stand up for ourselves. And I think that's that's where Fagan fits into things, doesn't it? You know what I mean? It's not, it's sort of like it's it's very easy to be romantic about him, like you say. You know, living right so close to the ground. I mean, it's just an incredible observation that you know who else would could ever do that? You know, literally the greatest football team in the world, and he lives. Day. Really sad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Say so, so he's on the bus, famous. <laughs> well, his carbon footprint was great. Do you know what I mean? So, but all that, so he's ahead of his time again. But 
it's just it's just that it's the foundations on which you know Liverpool is built, and not just you say modern Liverpool. You know, Liverpool's going to go on. You know, Liverpool's like such a worldwide club now, and it wouldn't be any it wouldn't be any of that without Shankly, but also Shankly's key components in the room, and he really needs you know the four, five, six, whatever it was, those guys he could trust, not just because they you know, they backed him. Fanatically, but that they were intelligent, they were smart, they could move it, they could have their own opinion, you know, they could look at the progression plan, what's next for Liverpool, where do we go from here? It's absolutely all, all of that, and uh, I'm glad you asked me about him. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I, I'm glad I did as well. It's, I often wonder whether these things, Neil, how much is luck, how much is skill, judgment, in, in terms of <clears throat> pulling these people together. And it's a little bit like when you look at bands. Really, was like, was it was it just pure luck that, that John Lennon bumps into Paul McCartney, or, or all of us in this room, <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know who mm. who threw this room together, and then they and then they see some kid on the bus and go, oh, he says he plays guitar, he's all right, and it's George Harrison, or is actually, you know, is that it, it is is actually you know this a skill of well Shankly in this instance who coming to Liverpool, he recognised who he could bring with him and, and, and who he needed and, and, and took it. And there's probably a little bit of both. So he I visited them, didn't he? So I, well, that's the most interesting yeah. thing with this with Shankly, yeah. is that they were all there. Yeah. So Shankly didn't bring his own people in. Mm. None of them. There. No, yeah. they were all there. He gave them a chance, didn't he? And he gave them a chance and he mm. listened to them and they listened to him. And for me, there's the bit of alchemy is, you know, it's, it's all interrelated. There's obviously an element of luck. There's obviously an element of... They were the right people at the right time. But for me, there's something fundamental in the, in the centre of this, which is this. People are amazing. Like, people who everyone thinks are just run-of-the-mill normal mm. people are capable of amazing things. Everyone and who's it, ever done something amazing was once just a normal run-of-the-mill Exactly. Person. And, and it, it's the thing that gets overlooked. Like, you know, there are very few genuine unbelievable obvious stars in life you know from minute one maybe Prince maybe Beyonce <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean maybe either Lennon or McCartney yeah maybe Shankly but the point about that is that you then create the weather and the circumstances where other people get to show the best of themselves and for me that's you know you think about what Shankly does when he turns up in the context of this well Joe Fagan's already there he's only been there a year Bob Paisley's been there for about yeah. five years at that point and Ruben Bennett's there and Tom Sutton they're all there and this fella turns up and this fella sparks something in them <clears throat> and they find their way to be amazing in the mm. context of him and then they find their way to be amazing after he's gone I mean you know it's worth saying that Fagan gets the job it's nine years after Shankly's left and he gets the job, and he is at that moment the first British manager ever to win a treble. He wins the first treble that has been won by a British manager nine years after the man who sparked off what he was was or wasn't capable of has left. Mm. And the fundamental part of this is people are amazing. We think of this now as like you know it feels a little bit like everyone's come down and they're ordained as as going to be amazing before they get here one way or another. Brilliant players, the current manager, you can say that you know. But the current manager one day, as we know from the documentary we did, he was just knocking around Glatton and he moved to Mainz. Yeah. And he moved to Mainz and circumstances happened and he got the ability because he is amazing, because people are amazing to be amazing, to be brilliant. And then from there it sparked for him and it sparked somewhere else and he met some guys and the whole thing sort mm. of moves itself along and everyone sort of believes and moves because the only way really, really good things happen isn't because it's divinely ordained or because there's undoubted levels of genius involved, but that ordinary people get the opportunity to be genuinely extraordinary and what I think is really interesting about this group of men as Damien's suggesting is one of the things about them is they're dead open minded 
and they had all the reason in the world for the entirety of their lives to be closed minded. Mm. But I think I do think that is a little when you talk about the alchemy of it, that's a little bit of a regional thing. Like I do think people from around here are open minded and want to think about ideas and want to go, this is what we can do. And then obviously if you're successful, it gives you the 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 jumping off point to do a little bit of that, to be more open minded, because guess what? We were successful last time when we were a bit open minded and it worked and we keep going and we try new things and we experiment and we see where it goes to. And it just sort of keeps going from there and then other people believe. So my one of my favourite Joe Fagan things is there's a story it's either in Mark Platt's book or Mark Platt's book or Tony Evans's book or both of them about the 83-84 season where when they all get back for pre-season Suness is captain and Fagan talks to them all as a group and, and, and Graham says that's great Joe you know can I just have a minute with the boys and Graham Suness looks at everyone and says we're going to win everything for this man does anyone disagree with me <laughs> And they all look at Graham Souness and they understandably do not in any way, shape or form yeah. disagree with him. I'd have been nodding, yeah. And then they all mm. go and win everything nodding. for him. Yeah. And there's a st- that story ends with, you know, 10 months later, when the winning penalty goes in, when Kennedy's penalty goes in, all the players run to Kennedy. Not Souness, he just bursts into tears. And this idea that, that was not about Graham Souness. I mean, he gets to lift the trophies, but that was because of what he thought of Joe Fagan and what he wanted to do for Joe Fagan and what he thought of him as a person. When you think yeah. of Souness as a man as well, because he wasn't a man who was easily, and I don't think he ever, he ever has, you know, he hasn't really softened in this way. Never been a man to give that type of credit away easily at all. He's no. a man, he's, he's, he's what you'd probably old fashionedly termed a man's man, mm. but in, in terms of football, he's probably without peer as a, as a player and for him to recognise someone like Joe Fagan as that and be willing to put it out there in front of all his teammates he, he'll, I'm, I'm old as soon as I've been there early 20s no so he's late 20s yeah. at that point he's about to go to Santori but it doesn't matter yeah. Yeah, the point well, is the, still 20s are still young as well but what I'm getting at is not as a footballer as a man so in his mm. 20s he had that sort of mindset and because Joe Fagan has inspired a man like that so much it's such an impressive thing I think yeah. the whole thing is and that's that's what they all did for each other but also the circumstances were created where you could you could, you know, underst- people are amazing. And I think that that's the best bit of this city in loads of ways is the idea that anyone, anyone can be brilliant and anyone can get brilliance thrust upon them and anyone can have to look after brilliance in a crucial moment, carrying a vase through a crowded room because it, the onus is on you to sort this out right now and you're going to sort yeah. it. And you're no one special. You're no one special, but people are amazing. And Joe Fagan obviously was amazing and Paisley was amazing and Shankly was amazing and Saunders was amazing. And the reason why we're all here now, I'm literally people, at least me and you, John, pay us full time to do what we do is because Joe Fagan was amazing and he was just a normal mm-hmm. fella. And you think about that for a second and you stop to think about it and you take it all in and it's enormous and having faith in ordinary people I think is the bedrock not just of a good city or a fucking good podcast or a, a good football <laughs> mm. club it's a bedrock of a good society. Having faith in normal people is incredible and Liverpool has faith in Joe Fagan and he's amazing for it. And I think on the back of that uh, he would always talk about the players and Ronnie Moran you know as another shout here it would be the same thing. They'd sign the right players get the right characters in the dressing room, put them in the right positions, and then trust them to solve the problems that were trust on the Trust them pitch. to be amazing. They're yeah. the next, they're the next was, level so of amazing. So that's what's happening. Yeah. So, I know these guys can do this. I'm going to focus on what they can do, but what they can't do. We're going to play to those strengths. Yeah. This is all very Jürgen, isn't it? Yeah. Which is why we're so blessed at the moment. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I do I do re- remember very much, you know, in, in conversations and in interviews, you'd, you'd hear about him talking and that, that he trusted the players, and if it wasn't working, It'd be well, come on, come on, half time. What do you reckon then? 
how do you, how do we solve it from here? You you know. So you paid. I think was it was it um, Jan Mulby signs for Liverpool. Um, and his and his first game, I think, was in Norwich away or something like that. I might be wrong about the facts here, you know, whatever. But I'm, I'm, I think that's what the conversation was. And he was sort of like, um, well, um, what do you want me to do, boss? I'm sure that's soonish, you know. Is it? Yeah, I'm sure it's soonish. No, no, no. I think it, no, I think um, it goes back further than that. But I think there was I'm, a I'm sorry, I'm sure it's soonish. You asks. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, it's yeah. yeah but it's to Malby as well. <coughs> yeah, it does. There's a parallel, yeah, and yeah. You, you have, yeah, I think you're right there to remind me of that. But it's like, what, what do you want me to do? You're inside, outside, cheeks, and basically, you're the boss player, aren't you? We've signed you for this kind of money, and it is soonest. It is, yeah. but it definitely happened. I think it was at Norwich. I think it was the opening day, and then I think it was after. We'd lost, you know, we'd lost soonest. You know, obviously that that season we were we were dog shy compared to <laughs> the previous year before and whatever have you. But the point was, I'm trusting you to solve this problem. And then that, that that's that's the delegation of. Yeah. Do you trust these people? Do you empower them and do you inspire them to go forward? And that that came from Shankly. Drops down the the whole list in the boot room. Gets dropped down into the players. Uh, I want you to be responsible. I want you to own this. This is your job. You get out there and do it. You owe it to yourself and you owe it to us. Good one, eh? Right. I tell you what, I listened to me the other day. That was fucking brilliant. As well. <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, Alphabet might be the new best show on the app, might you? Yeah, since I got all the accounts. Talk about the questions. Said three words in that. <laughs> <laughs> one of them was F. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, I don't know where to go from there, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with some. Uh, well,. I like this was better than last week when you went for Enrique after he was talking about Eric's for all the hours. They swear me hard. <laughs> Dan might no, be shown. No, there's no Jose Enrique. I'm going to go for, well, it's a pub, but it's a group of pub. Uh, I'm going to go for the Firkins because they're all F. Um, so you've got the Flute and Firkin, which is still the Flute. Uh, there's the okay. old, there's the old Finch and Fairham, uh, which is now the Brookhouse, and the only one I could think of other than that, but but jump in if you've got one. Uh, there was a Ferry and Fairham on the High Street, which is now the Lamb. Um, but are you a, are you a flute man? I'm I am a flute man. Yeah, so the flute is we also a pint in the flute recently. Yeah, I like I I'll do with the occasional pints in a flute. Uh, I think I flute think on Harbour Street near the Flying Love, which is another F. Yeah, it's another F. I, I so there's there's this real issue, and it always makes me laugh because it now makes me think of Craig. Cannon. So before Craig Cannon came over, is this a flute thing, by the way? It's sort of, yeah. sort of it's related. <laughs> yeah, my nana killers. If I said there was a flute man, I'm telling you, uh, is related. He messaged and he went. So you know, he, he loved the Anfield rap. This is about 2015. Loved the Anfield rap. Blah blah blah. So we exchanged emails, and there was an email that he sent, which was, "So where in Liverpool does everyone watch the match?" And like John went back with, "Well, fucking Anfield, mate." Yeah. <laughs> um, but. There's a wider point here, which is that there is a bit. There's a bit of truth in the idea that it's actually quite. It's harder than you think to find somewhere to settle and watch the match in town. Mm. It's historically always been thus, and it still remains thus. Even though we've got friends who own bars and they own good bars, don't get me wrong, but it still doesn't feel as though. I'm, and it is entirely because you feel as though if it's in Liverpool, it should be perfect. So it being quite good or very good, you're always on the hunt for there will be a gaff that will work better than this. And to be fair to our friends who own bars, at one point, two of them opened together Aspirantos, which I think was the nearest thing that I saw to it being perfect. But they shut that because it never worked financially, and that's their, their prerogative. But genuinely, that was the one I thought worked. The Flute is one of the closest ones, even though it sort of shouldn't be, of the best place to watch the match in town. 
So I'll watch games in the flute. I'll watch away games in the flute uh, mm. from time to time, and I'll go in and it works. It's got that mild problem that a lot of bars that I like it have got, which is there's a lot of tellies, but I never feel like I've got a good view. <laughs> uh, and I, feel I was like, just thinking about pokes. Mm. It's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of tellies, yeah. but you never feel comfortable. That Someone you've got else a... has got a well better view of this. Who the fuck is it? Because I'll go and move the book. Exactly that. So the flute's got the same thing going on where there's loads of tellies, but I always think either someone else has got a better view or there's a better view somewhere else in this city of a telly to watch the match in. And I couldn't even begin to tell you where it is, but I like the flute. Uh, I think it's it's a good genuine without again without the sound and patronising a good budget bar up on Harvard yeah, Street because yeah. a few of them are expensive up there uh, and you get a good pint and they look after you and there's a solid six and a half out of ten food option and I want to be really clear I thought you were going to say barmaid there I thought no. this is well out of character for no. me bar <laughs> <laughs> option and the fact that you were thinking it is totally yeah. in character for you yeah, Mr. Walsh very yeah, much on yeah, band for yeah, me yeah <laughs> Everyone was themselves. Who knew? Uh, it's six and a half out of ten. Uh, it's never going to be eight, and it's never going to be four. Uh, it is just going to be six and a half out of ten. The food option in there, but that's absolutely fine. Uh, I do quite like it in all seriousness, but simultaneously, I'll go there and watch maybe two aways a season that I'm not going to max. Um, and that's a bit weird because you think, well, if you really like it, then you go all the time. But the point is, I'm convinced there's somewhere else better. I always will be. I'm never going to not be. We watched. Uh, me and you, um, when we won six one away at Newcastle, uh, when just when Brendan got us good, so two thousand and thirteen, but it's the back end of twelve thirteen. Mm. You know, when you just go on a bit of a run, you're like, hey, we might be on something here. And Daniel Sturridge's boss, uh, I think Suarez a bit someone, uh, so he was out. But you know, you just you just get a get a bit of a taste for it. And I remember we watched that game in there. Yep. Have you just got any faking moves, boys, or a fly in the loaf move? What's the faking thing? I don't even. I didn't even it know was that a was chain, a thing. and and they, they, they had a few of them. So so yeah, like the so the flute was the flute and faking, and then the the Brookhouse was the Finch and faking, and then how long ago were we talking here? Twenty years. Oh, so probably before my time of going down the South End. No, going to town, yeah, but I wasn't. I wasn't South End curious yeah, at that age. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there might have been. As I say, there might have been a North End one. That I'm I'm aware the flute was the. the I'm South End curious, are you now? No, South End thinks you're shit. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's say, you've never seen that curious <laughs> to me. But, but, yeah, but I'm aware of the South End. I'm, I'm, do you know what I mean? Conceptually, yeah, it's there. As a thing, I've heard about it. Mm. The flute for me was always as a bit of a student bar because I went to I went to university just behind it basically. So we had the, the student union. In there and very occasionally like man what the fuck you lectures off like most days to be fair um, you'd go over and have a little drink like a bevy in, in like the flute and that you know what I mean you could walk around the fly in the loaf a little bit further down as you said is also an F I, I'm not into I think it's a bit um, it's very quiet It's and it's like it, they've got an idea of what it is there and if you've got any different ideas it's hard to leave which fair play you know what I mean you've got a strong brand but the flute's just a bit more um, as Neil said it's just a bit more welcome and a, and a bit more like a pub I think it's a little bit darker a little bit dingier and sometimes that's what you're after in a boozer isn't it rather than like clean like cut edges and there's someone on it in the flute isn't it there's always like there's a table who are like yeah. you've got like 20 luminous shots for 30 quid or something <laughs> and, they're just, and they're like they're going to be a nightmare in two hours, but mm. right now they're great fun. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Pubs beginning with an F. Flanagan's. Yeah, Flanagan's apple. I'm going, but I mean... Um, Rock solid. I've had some great nights in there, like, uh, apparently. <laughs> uh, one of them was... Were you uh, upstairs or downstairs? Well, or, I, downstairs was downstairs always, downstairs was always on the, the proper Matthew's one. Festival, like downstairs. Yeah. I, I always go back to the Matthew Street Festival because it was absolutely brilliant. I was, I was in uh, there the night that uh, England played uh, Ireland in the World Cup, Italia 90. And I was watch. I watched the game in town, and uh, 
One one was a draw for Ireland and the, the descendants. So I was downstairs in Flanagan's that night, and it was riotous. I have been thrown out of Flanagan's twice. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I reinstated. No, soon, soon. Wrongly after, thrown out? Are we saying or correctly? Well, thrown thrown out once wrongly, and once correctly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that you know, pubs with an F. Uh, that was the greatest pub in the whole wide world for me for a long time. But that was like before it was my age. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've been to Flanagan's for... I took the kids the other week, you know, we Did done it yeah, we done it at Treasure Hunt around. Starting them early. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> well, genuinely, yeah. Done, done a Treasure Hunt around, like, the docks and down to Matthew Street and that. It was, it, it was sad, it was a boss little day out. And we were just trying to find places to go and with the kids where it was, like, sort of kid-friendly and yeah. not too dingy. So some of the places on Matthew Street are, like, Eric's and that are open, but you, it's it's miserable in there. It's a nighttime gaff, isn't it? Yeah. And then some of the other places up the top end, like, Did you Jeffy design Oldman. the treasure hunting question? <laughs> I'd, I'd love, to, I'd love to, have, to say yes to that because it was really good. The treasure might have been very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The idea that you just sorted out yourself no, and then no, no, no. It's, a, it's something Kate bought for me for Christmas. It's like, a, you can get them in all major cities, basically, but it's a really good thing to do. But we, we just went into there and it's one of them places where you can sit. We just sat with a pack of cards with the kids. Me and Kate had a drink and we were just playing cards with them, you know what I mean? And the kids loved it and I took them down downstairs because it's like when you go down it's it's such an old building that you get the sense of history walking down the steps don't you and there's going to like the toilets are downstairs and you want to duck your head to get in there yeah. and all that and I was just, I was I just regaling you, you don't you're all right <laughs> but I was just regaling the kids but like the times I've been in there on a Matthew Street Festival in that downstairs but because like it's obviously not like the cavern but it's very much in the cavern mould of being a downstairs brick room with a band on in the corner and mm. a big bar and it was loud as you liked, and it, it was boss. I used to love it in there. And you sort of felt like oh, you do anything in there. Do you know what I mean? Because it's <laughs> <Yeah>. downstairs. It's <laughs> a bit like everyone's. It feels like everyone signed up for it. Yeah. And yeah. nothing bad's going on, but you just feel like you just mm. like I don't know. Like it's a speakeasy yeah. almost, like yeah, type yeah. of vibe down there. You're like, oh yeah, we're just we're just having a big fun party down there, and then it goes. It was great. Uh, good. I'm glad you bought some Flanagan's. I say, I'm not been for. It might be close to twenty years since I've last been in there, but maybe fifteen. But what the fuck are we doing time. in twenty minutes? Oh, yeah, let's yeah. roll. <laughs> next, who's our next home European game? Have we got any left? Lask. Lask. They'll have a load in there. Should we go down there? Little yeah. afternoon out, and we can do some content there, can't we? Ah, yeah. I mean, I love that justification. Kevin's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got to tell Kate. I can imagine all the last fans really enjoying it, and Kev walks in and the music stops. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make friends quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Is Damien Cavani? Been thrown out to be here twice. Once justified, yeah. once not. Yeah. <laughs> See which way it goes today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do a place uh, for Zachary. Your end. Yeah, North End. That's where I played my first ever game in goal in Fazakli on the mm. uh, yeah on the, the pitch behind Fazakli High School. I was playing at a uh, used to be a centre half and I was on the lines. We were playing in a cup game. Went to went to pens and the manager just went, "Kev, go and goal." And I was like. I've never played in goal in my life. He said, yeah, but you're the biggest, so go and go. And I saved three penalties out of five. So from that moment on, I was fully hooked. Um, bit of a mad place for Zach, really, because it's it's a little bit neither here nor there. It's not quite... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's on the very edge. So Kirby is obviously scouts, and listen, you can you can take the piss out of people from being Kirby, saying you're not actually, not actually from Liverpool, blah, blah, blah. But everyone knows that they yeah. are. But for Zach's very much on the borderline of that as well. And the other thing about it is, Besides the hospital, when you're ever going to Fazak, yeah, there's just there's a train. You wouldn't go through it exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't go through it to get anywhere, and there's not really a destination up there either. Besides Fazak, Aussie. So, mm. it, to be fair, it's somewhere I drive through all the time, taking the kids up and down to footy training and entry. But it's not a 
It's not really a destination. You've it's done... not a destination, but it's well located that if you live there, you can get to any de- destination. Yeah, I've got the train station there. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I went to school only yeah. down the road as well, so it's uh, it's somewhere that I do know quite well. We used to do some of our PE lessons up in Fizzer High School, so we, we'd go there quite a lot. We used to have a pub called The Chaser up there as well, which is sadly now a little, I think. But they had an L-shaped pool table in it. But it was one of them ones where I'd only ever heard that it had an L-shaped pool table. I've never actually mm. witnessed the L-shaped pool table. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You see, the little... That was, that... Isn't that where the copper house was? No, the copper. That's the Aldi. So ah, the that's copper, right. Yeah, I always get. I get Aldi and Little well, mixed up. Well, the copper house, understandably so. The copper house I mean? before it went um, to link it back to Liverpool. Mick Laff had it. Who's got the Glen Buck now? Did he? Yeah, yeah, he had that for a while before. Unfortunately, that one went as well. But the copper house was another good booze of the lads up from up that yeah, end. Yeah, I know really some stories from there. Yeah, 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 but yeah. me, me cousins lives like right, right opposite. And then uh, one of my best mates in the whole wide world. He was a brother to me. He's sadly no longer with us. Um, they all went um, holy name up there the school yeah. and that and I've certainly been uh, the legion up there and um, yeah um, there's a good reason why it might not be a destination as well <laughs> if you think about it but yeah um, <coughs> I've got a, uh, I think Barlow's football clubs up there as well the yeah, Barlow yeah, school the up there they always won brilliant tournaments they've always got a good side as well you know they, uh, you've got to really work hard to beat them with the dead respectful and all that keeper so yeah um, I've got like loads of good think positive vibes about um, for Zach uh, but I agree with you. I, I think people from there would say, oh, "What's here?" But you're you're right. So you hit anywhere that quick if you want to. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing about Fazakali is when people say it who don't know it. I've heard some Fazakali, Fazakali, the normally one, but there's some great pronunciations. You you sat and have a have a good go, Fazakali. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, it's got that in common with Gattaca. Yeah, which could come under G. By the way, I just looked it up. I've, I've, I, I, I think, I think my mum did some nursing there, and I've been in the hospital. But apart from that, I've got no real sort of can, no real memories of spending any, any, any. It's a big hospital, isn't it? The Walton Centre State, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but I've just looked it up as we're going here, and it, it, t- it takes its name from Anglo-Saxon root words, all descriptive pertaining to land. So, faz is border or fringe, acre is field, and. Lee is Wardour clearing but then in 1321 it was described as the country is very flat and treeless so <laughs> where the wood thing came in is uh, sort of beyond me near the wood. Mm-hmm. it must be yeah, <laughs> near the wood the wood happens at some point I just think it's such a it is you know we we forget bits of Liverpool are sort of a bit in the middle of nowhere mm. like I think we all like to act or other people like to act more accurately like mm. for instance Liverpool's got beach you know, up 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 north. There's beautiful beach, beach as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. beach north and south of the city. Uh, you know, there's there's farmlands when you get out towards Mogol and then you go to sort of exactly and people. I think one of sort of pigeonhole Liverpool is just in their heads outside of Liverpool mostly what as being one thing and one thing that mm. may or may not involve the docks, but predominantly involves some sort of notion of it. Liverpool's a genuinely varied place. Uh, with a collection the, of villages. Yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. still is. Yeah, that yeah. still is. Like, there, think that. about Walton, for example. Yeah, well, Walton's you know, it's completely, yeah. yeah, completely different. And that's he, why us North End villages hate the South End villages. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's. I think it's another one of those places that is a reminder that Liverpool, and also whether we like it or not, Liverpool is also a bit of England. Uh, for Zachary is weirdly very much not. Well, Liverpool, but for Zachary is a very Anglo-Saxon. It's a very, very English word. It's mm. not a, it's not a Celtic word. It comes from mm. all that sort of stuff, and and especially the Easter Liverpool's full of these places that do sort of mark themselves out as being very English. It's John Gibbons from the Anfield Wrap with some great ideas for gifts for you or your family and friends for this Christmas and beyond, courtesy of Liverpool Football Club. 
on top of the fantastic stadium tours, museum trips and the very popular Anfield Abseil, Liverpool are now offering two new VIP experience days which are the perfect gift for any Red. Firstly, the Anfield Experience offers a premium guided stadium tour, a Q&A with an LFC legend hosted by LFC TV presenter Steve Hoddersall, where they will share personal memories and anything you've always wondered about what it's like to play for the Reds. There's live music and other entertainment throughout the day and the entrance to the LFC Museum. And for the ultimate Anfield experience, you get all of that plus an unforgettable football experience at the AXA Melbourne facility, travelling there on an LFC bus. You'll experience firsthand the training and development techniques used at LFC to coach the next generation of Reds players. You'll also get additional top tips from the LFC legend on the day before going back to Anfield to hear more from the legend in one of the best lounges in the stadium by stepping off the bus and walking through the players' entrance before receiving a premium LFC gift pack. Both packages also include food, drinks and discount vouchers for the LFC store. Now a few of us were lucky enough to go on the Ultimate Anfield experience and what a fantastic day it was to be in there in the stadium with the legend, hearing his stories about what it was like to play for Liverpool with the pitch in the background was absolutely incredible but getting on that bus going up to Melwood and training on those fantastic pitches was something I'll never ever forget so I was really lucky to do that but you could be lucky as well if you want to buy yourself uh, the ultimate LFC experience or you want to get it for one of your loved ones as well what a gift as I say for this Christmas or any big birthdays or anniversaries coming up as well the Anfield experience costs £150 for adults and 80 for children while the ultimate LFC experience with that training thrown in costs £445 however you can get a 10% discount if you order either package before Christmas with the code AWAE10. That is AWAE10. If you put that code in on checkout, you'll get 10% off both those packages. So book now at liverpoolfc.com forward slash stadium hyphen tours. Okay, let's move on. We'll do another footballer and we'll do Bobby Firmino and I'll start with you, Neil, uh, because I'm going to give Kev the last word because he's just gasped. Wow. I know you no. love Bobby. You love Bobby, so I'll let, I'll I'm let you I'm just going to have to grab a pint there so someone passes the Heineken's hand. That'd be marvellous. Um, Thank you. Go on. Honestly, this is going to be the first three-hour alphabet super switch. Um, by the time this comes out, Neil, he's got a book out. Um, I've, um, someone's sending us a copy. I've not read it yet, but um, I am looking forward to it because I'm because he was a man of few words. When he was at uh, Liverpool, he, he basically blanked he couldn't speak English, mm. uh, which, which you know, smart. Fair play, it worked as well. Didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forever, no one ever asked him <laughs> any questions. Fits yeah. in well with Liverpool. So, so we blanked, he blanked, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't speak uh, English. Uh, so, so, so I'm looking forward to actually hearing about these moments that that we all shared together from from his perspective because. He was there through all of them, you know. And he, Are we he's, talking about the mix zone in the, the pre-season tours? Yeah, John, or we talking about the league? He, 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 he blanked me for all of those. A lovely <laughs> smile, though. A lovely smile and, a, and an apology uh, when he moved past me. But that, that's fine, all good. Um, but, you know, the fact is he, he scores the winning goal in the, in the World Championship final. You know how much that means to him. He scored mm. in the semi-final as well. He starts the Champions League final. He's obviously massive in the run to get to those two finals. And... You know, win, wins the league here as well, and I can't wait to to make what he what he made of all that, and obviously the parades because I've actually fucking enjoyed them as well. 
I think he loved the parades. <laughs> I think the parades made well, they made so much sense to him uh, as to what it's all meant to be about. I think it's a remarkable career. Uh, it's one that you know he's another one who's obviously successful in part because the manager arrives at the moment he arrives, sees yeah, and understands what he is, and backs it to the hilt. But then the flip side of that is that the manager backs him to the hilt, but he backs the manager to the hilt as well. He never shirks, he never turns his back, he never, never, ever, ever doesn't put a serious performance in. In loads of ways, one of his poorer performances for Liverpool is the Europa League final in 2016, when I think a few of them, you know, Sturridge aside, I think Sturridge is undermined that day I think the few sort of just never quite find themselves in that game mm. and never sort themselves out and that's always something I'd, I, that, that's something I'd like to hear more about that one but I suspect you'd, you obviously want to accentuate the positives he scored 28 all comps in 17-18 for us and always returned double figures brought everyone else into play but it was much more than that it was about that application that that Multiple multiplication of application and sheer footballing genius. Mm. That's what it is. Yeah, both of those things. No one would work harder than him on the one hand, but also no one was more capable of the sublime. Or it's the such a small overlap in a Venn diagram. It really it? Bobby, is. Bobby, and there's one person on a team. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a crazy I thing. I think there's a couple, and I think I think this is the company needs to be spoken about, which is. A, 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 why we're talking so highly of him. So I think that that's, he managed to have both of those things at once in a personal... And also because he was so ostentatious with the genius, with the brilliance, you know what I mean? I think there's some players who go about the business with a minimum of fuss. There was loads of fuss, you know what I mean? The, the, the no-look goals is him giving it the big oh, one. Yeah. All of that sort of stuff, all that sort of silliness, which often would put me off a footballer. You'd be left going, he's got that, but also literally no one on this pitch has worked harder. Mm. No one's put himself yeah. more on the line. No one's, put, no one's showed more for the ball. No one's worked hard when we haven't had the ball. No one's worked smarter. No one's thought it through more. No one's listened to the analysis more. No one's paid attention to the clips that they get now on iPads beforehand as to which way this mm. player wants to go or which way that player wants to go. No one's took it more seriously than the fellow who plays with a smile on his face. Yeah. And he, all the way through, he's these mess of contradictions yeah. in all these different ways. No one takes this more seriously than the fella who acts like it doesn't matter that much but yeah. he's took every bit of this deadly seriously and he, he's desperate to win and if he doesn't win he's going to be absolutely chocking about it on the one hand but on the other hand he's going to shake it off quickly get the boys back together and be ready to go again next week and you know I think he scores one of the greatest the one of the most underrated ever Liverpool goals which is the one at Manchester City in the 2-1 defeat yeah. which is this fundamental flow and gorgeous team move that he finishes in a number nine way and this is the other thing he wears number nine on his back but he plays as a false nine mm. he does play as a false nine but he scores loads of number nine goals he gets a hat-trick at Watford because he scores tappings oh yeah but also he's capable of the absolute magnificent which he shows at Stoke this whole thing a lot of it sort of he feels a little bit like a footballer who's a bit fictional like if you try to describe this footballer you go hang on is this a real one or is it one from a comic yeah. <laughs> you're saying he does all this and I think he's still you know I think even I think he'll just take some reckoning with in that I think he's a well better well more important well more significant player in the history of the English game than Dennis Bergkamp but if you ask people <laughs> yeah, but if you levels. ask the, the wider football public who's, who's a, a more important footballer in loads of ways they'd all go it's Dennis Bergkamp it's just fucking not no, it's no. Roberto Firmino and it always has been and always will be and also Roberto Firmino say what you want he gets on flights <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was, so, uh, the, the time of recording there was um, Jürgen Klopp did a press conference yesterday mm. um, ahead of the game at the weekend and he was asked to, he was he was asked about Mo Salah 
And and the question was, do you think Mo Salah's developed as a footballer recently? He seems to have so much more to his game now, Salah, than, than maybe did you know when you first got him. And Jürgen was like, yeah, that that's fair enough. You know, he's doing this now, he's doing that now, and you're seeing bits of this. And then he goes. But of course he didn't used to have to do it because Bobby Firmino used to do it all. And he just said it very matter of fact that he was like, we didn't want him doing all that before because Bobby Firmino was doing it. Yeah, he needed someone yeah. to go and do this. And it was like, it was it was a really fascinating insight to me that Bobby was just doing so much of this so, so Mo Salah could kick him in the ball 40 times in a season. Yeah, bring, bringing those players together and, and, and helping develop them. I think the Bergkamp shout's interesting in the fact that he's a different player, but it's the position he takes on the pitch. And the fact that you're supposed to play up front, but you don't play up front. Yeah. You play up front and you play in the midfield and you play with and you find the space. And I think when you're talking about um, Firmino, I, I, to me, the most obvious examples are uh, Keegan played slightly behind the striker, but it wasn't really looked at like that. Kenny plays, comes slightly deeper and brings the people into play. the you know, orchestrates what's going on around them. And then, you know, so, so Rush goes. No one in the world to get the ball to me there for me to score other than him. And seeing as he's playing, I'll make that impossible run and then I'll just knock it in. And that's, and that, 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 that's Ian Rush's words. Yeah. Right? So to me, um, for me, you know, the nearest thing that we got, we got Yari Lippmann about a decade too late. But we got Firmino just before his prime. And again, similar, you know, taking that position up where like he's got all day on the ball. You can see before, it's not before he gets it, it's before the person passes to him to get it. He's seen the next three moves on the pitch. But he doesn't just walk around and go, I'm the number 10, which means I can go lang a bit and I can sort of like, I don't have to run back. I've got to do all those other things as well. And playing with the smile on his face, that's what football's about. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to enjoy this game. We're supposed to enjoy our mates. And, get, and then you want to see someone who goes on the pitch, tried as hard as you ever would if you were ever given a chance to play half a game in Anfield with that red shirt on, but then can do things that you couldn't even imagine doing. I mean, that thing, the back heel between someone's legs by the corner flag and, you know, yeah. that moment there, you know, I, you know, I'll live another 55 years. I haven't seen it before. I'm not going to see it again. <laughs> yeah. you, you're just not. You know, it, it's just... So he was such an aim, but you knew he bought into the value of it, and he, I think the planets aligned with Liverpool for a lot of a lot of reasons. So you've got a crowd who, who wants hard work and wants to be entertained, but yeah. in equal measure. Then you've got a coach who wants to make sure he finds the right position for you, buys into a tackle. You got to put a shift in, but then you can do things that you know no other anyone else can stop. I really just, like the player, and then yeah. somehow ends up at the same club as him yeah, without buying yeah. him. So it's all those things coming together at the same time, and I've got nothing but the highest regard. I got the uh, the flight to Kiev. Um, for the final, and his family was on the flight, uh, and, and so I, I don't do you know the stardust thing and all. I was like, all right, nice one and whatever have you. And it was the most horrific flight in the, in the memory of man. I mean, just as soon as he got off the runway, the, everyone was seatbelts up, jumping up and down. You know, the the, the, um, the the speaker was taken over by the fans. Alay, alay, alay. It was like we're going to put this plane down shortly and blah blah blah. Therefore, I I was worried on that flight. I, I, you know, and I've been on some flights, but I was worried on that flight, and his family were on that, and whatever they made of that, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? You know, that that always sticks with me for some reason. Time will have softened out the doors. Yeah, time, exactly. Thinking, if I missed this, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure we were ever going to land. You know, if you put it that way. You know what I mean? But you know, it, the, his family were all very proud of him, 
and they all had the red shirt. It was a big gang, big squad of them, you know, a good dozen and more of them, and they were all very proud, you know, of course, you know, when they had the shirts on, you know, they, they weren't, but they weren't flashy or nothing. They were just dead proud, dead nice. They weren't, you know, being ostentatious or nothing. You could just Stands see They were just made yeah. up that our lad is playing yeah. in the game, and he's playing for this club, and he's playing at this level. Yeah. You know, and we went on, and we, you know, and then for him to score... The goal, the, the only, we've been the greatest team in the world a few times, but we've only actually, actually been able to officially approve it once. For him to get the goal, I think it's dead fitting. Because, you know, yeah. you know if it was Gerard, for example, or it was Rush or Kenny or whatever, you know, you, you sort of like pick the highlights and see, you know, and so Bobby's always going to be under that radar because he was unassuming in himself. Because he didn't want to give the interviews, because he didn't want to have the limelight, he didn't want to, you know, he wants to show off. In a, in a player's way and in a fan's way, I'll tell you where I'll show off. I'll show off on that pitch. I'll show off by winning. I'll show off by grafting. And I'll show off by being a boss football player at the highest level in the game. And then that's all I'm interested in. And that'll do me. So, so, you know, so the book's going to be dead interesting. But you know, when you're talking about players like Kenny and you're talking about Yari Littman who came to us and you're talking about Dennis Bergkamp and a different style of play but kind of taking up the same positions and doing it in a different way. You're talking about the greatest players who's played in the, uh, the English League, the Premier League, whatever you want to talk about it. And Bobby is completely that. Yeah. And Liverpool would have won some trophies if they had anybody else playing up front in that position. But they wouldn't have won all of them. Yeah. And, you know, um, Mo Salah will always be the most remembered and then it'll be Sadio. But for I think for the coaches, it will be Bobby. Do you know what? A, yeah, I was just going to say that, Kev, sorry, that's a, a really good point because we were talking about the Venn diagram before and I think you'll have heard it playing as well, Kev. You know, people say, oh, he's a coach's player, he's a manager's player and it's sort of, it's damning with a little bit with faint praise. It means he works that hard yeah. and he does as he's told, basically. <laughs> and then you've got the fans player who's, again, it's a bit damning with faint praise. It's mm. like as someone who, who's great at the flicks and stuff like that but maybe doesn't track back or, or, or whatever and he is, you know, in those very rare things that's both of them and the people who just love footy for fancy flicks and, 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 and you know, being amazed by what a footballer can do loving but then I always remember Michael Edwards when he left and he wrote that that letter and there's a bit in there where he says you know talks about the players he signed and says, everyone always asks me who's your favourite player he says I'll never say but put it this way my dog's called Bobby <laughs> and you think well here's the nerd um, God, God love him you know the, the, the nerds love him and the, the, the lads who just who, who, who watch YouTube's highlights all love him and, and that just you know it's not bad is it no he's I, he's <laughs> Farrell's my favourite ever, but if you'd ask me my favourite player, I'd put Firmino in there as well because he's he was you saying I wasn't being a coach's player and like how Damien then said about Salah is going to be the one who's most remembered and listen rightly so because of the goals he scored and because he's absolutely phenomenal. But for the people who were in the ground watching Bobby Firmino like me and you were that day against Stoke where we're crap yeah. and then he comes on and he just bangs that goal and you're just like oh my god, he's one of them players where. You're in the grounds and you just you saying to your mate, "Fucking hell, lad, is he messing him?" Yeah. You know, like I'm sure if, if like there was times when you just go, "How the fuck has he just done that?" And you think to yourself, "I'll have to just wait like I don't watch a replay because I, <laughs> I can't." I mean, my mind doesn't work as fast we'll, as his we'll we'll play it back. And even if it does, you're thinking it can't be what I think it was. And then you get home and you find no, it wasn't. It was even better than that. He's <clears throat> he's the one. I think it's often said, isn't it? Who's the most important player for the Jurgen Klopp era? And 
listen, signing Van Dijk was massive and the goalkeeper is obviously absolutely huge. But I think the one that brought it all together is him. It's often said about Lallana where Klopp's first match and he comes off and he's absolutely knackered. And that's right. But Firmino done that. Plus he's done all of the other things mm. as well. And like just the little flicks and the goals and the skills, uh, that's what I love watching football for. I love, as you just said there, the people who want to be amazed by what a footballer can do that you can't. That's why I like, That's why I love football. I love watching something and going, wow, I'd, I'd sell my firstborn to be able to do that. And for me, I would do that 10 times at half. <laughs> if it becomes so normal, you'd just be like, that was amazing. But last week against Leicester, it was even better, wasn't it? Yeah. And the personality of the man... He's a proper fans footballer. Like the ones who go home and away love a player like that mm. because you just know you could take you could go and watch him at Palace and he can get two assists and a goal and you just know he could get on that coach with you and he could sit with you for six hours and he'd get off the coach probably in a better state than you are. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. he's just that type of lad, isn't he? And mm. when you can the Venn diagram thing again, when you can be the hardest working player on the pitch the most skillful player on the pitch and the soundest player on the pitch. That is, there's not many that get that. He's, mm. he's currently, as it stands, and I say as it stands like it's going to change because my argument here is that it's not going to change <laughs> anytime soon. He's currently Liverpool's 16th highest ever scorer. Now that's in the context of the greatest team in English football history. Yeah, he's yeah. the 16th highest scorer for the greatest team in English football history. And people history. don't tend to leave. And people don't mm. tend to leave, and when they're in, they're settled, they're playing, they stay. He's number 16, so Jota's on 46, and Nunez is on about 20. And they're the ones who are going to overtake him. That's it. They're the ones who are going to overtake him that we know of now. Someone might arrive, someone might have something in the back pocket, there might be another uh, 17-year-old, who right now we don't even know the name of, who could be the one who, who goes and takes his place. My point is... As we sit here, you know, you go back 30 years, only five players have got in ahead of Firmino in the last 30 years. Two of, them, two of them, he set their goals up. Yeah, two of them, two yeah of them. he was the chief support after two, two, of, two of the other guys. The reason the other two were up there is because of him. Of the lad who's in fifth and is not going to stop anytime soon, mm. and the lad who's in 14th who sadly had to stop, Firmino made it happen for them. Mm. So you're, you're left going, that's it. Like genuinely, we could be sitting here now, sat here now, and Damien said before, you know, we can we can accelerate this 30 years and Roberto Firmino still be in Liverpool's all-time top 20 goal scorers. Mm. And if he isn't, then fucking hell, we've had some we've had, yeah, years. We've had a great time. Mm. Yeah. Because it means that we at least at least three absolute astonishing players who've emerged beyond those who already play for Liverpool. That's what it'll take to kick him out of that list. And all of us in this room, unlike Jack Barmer, who's one beneath him, or Jack Parkinson, or Dick Forshaw, or etc., etc., we've got to watch all 111 of them. Uh, they all hated Jack Barber anyway, so we didn't miss anything. <laughs> oh, they fucking hated him. <laughs> really funny, because he was a bit posh. I think he was from the yeah. South End, lad. Yeah, of course he was, yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a fucking weapon he was. Bob, Bob, you'd live in the North End if you had a situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to do one more. I want to do Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, who, I mean, I don't know if you were a fan, Damien. Oh, uh, I was a fan. I went oh, to watch him on the Royal Court. Brilliant. Three um, number one singles. It's not bad, is it? The problem yeah. is we've got the Beatles um, and you yeah, know they're, yeah. they're the Ian Rush Didn't with Bobby all the Firmino fucking goals. Here, Andy, yeah. um. <laughs> Show it off. So, so you can then just casually have three number one singles, and and you know you're not the biggest band in your city, but that's some guy. When they were when they were when they were big and, and flying worldwide as well, big in America, and yeah, stuff they, like that. they did everything, didn't they? Yeah, there was like an explosion of them. Yeah, at the start of AZ4, um, and the fact that Relax 
was a controversial song, too controversial for the BBC. It was going nowhere. It was like it was a, you know, it was a good dance track in the context of its time and whatever. Yeah. Gets banned off the BBC. Well, it's not like a bit of notoriety. Yeah. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, you <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why I am where I am today. Look at him smile on his face. Okay, He's over here, you know. Um, so yeah, it was just like. Um, Obviously, we all loved them because they were local and it was all that. Um, and then the fact they were bands, you know, I was in, um, what was I? It was in like fourth or fifth year at school, seniors. Um, and it was just, you know, incredible watching them, you know, sticking two fingers up to every bone, having it like, you know, and then the fact that, you know, Top of the Pops was massive at the time, the Radio One chart shows at the time. We, we haven't got many channels on the telly, we haven't got many, there's no podcasts. No one knew what that, that word meant at the time. Yeah, all, <laughs> all those things. Um, but it was good stuff, and a lot of it was manufactured. Of course it was, you know, and that's, that's the way music goes and that, but you've got to have some talent first. Yeah. You've got to have that, and you've got to have drive, and you've got to have personality, and all that feeds into it. You know, so all it, it's all those things, and it's the sum of its parts, and makes it very, very 80s. So Frankie kicks off, and um, he ends up at number one. I think I think it was. It was, I think it was about January 84, something like that. Um, it, it gets there and it's banned and then, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, what, what's going on here? And then they, they release the next, you know, the next song, Two Tribes. And like, uh, for at the time, a blaze of publicity. Not yeah. a, not what a blaze of publicity would look like now. Yeah. You know, and it, it's like number one for night, like goes in at number one and nothing ever did that. And it's there for nine weeks and nothing ever did that. happens all the time now with all the, the way they release singles and that. But it's quite, quite groundbreaking, really. And then the band single, Relax, starts creeping back up the charts and they've got number one and number two at the same time. It, it, bear in mind that the, the, converse, the, the song has already been the most popular song in the country and then comes back. And so they've got to know what notoriety and they, they're all showing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a film and, it, and it, it's, on, it's on YouTube somewhere. I have seen it, yeah, I'll have to get around to that. No, sorry, no, I don't mean a film, sorry. There's mm. a... Um, there's a I've seen a, a clip of uh, from from the TV at the time. They went to America and they hired a tank, <laughs> and they're just driving down this road in LA. Mm. And Holly's got this megaphone, and they're just shouting about the band mm. and showing the people. Yeah. You know, on a fucking tank, <laughs> and, I'm like, and like just down Sunset Boulevard. It's honestly, yeah. and when you say it's not, yeah, people listen going, it's not a tank though, is it, John? It was a fucking tank. Yeah. <laughs> so you can park where you like, basically. <laughs> even if even if the the car park space is already taken, you can still park there, can't you? <laughs> That sank. So, yeah, it, it was just an explosion, and everyone was dead proud of them. And then the, the whole T-shirt, Frankie says, relax, yeah. it became a national thing and whatever. Um, and then the first album they released was was a double, and that was a big thing as well. You know, you didn't get like a double album released, and they kind of had to because they had new stuff and old stuff and, and, and whatever. And then they hit the um, the three number ones. And it's sort of like, well, Jenny Mars, Jenny and the Pacemakers did that. The first three singles they ever released was known. So it was like, the fourth number one's going to be this. They're going to break the record. And they hit number two. And I even remember, gutted, the, uh, the record that beat them is Easy Lover. Uh, Phil Collins and it was a Phil Oakey or something like that. They got number one. It was a good song, but I didn't want to like it. Yeah. Because I wanted Frankie to get that the historic moment and that. And it was sort of like, just like a... A rock, you know, like a, a rocket into the air. You know what I mean? The local music, you know, the, the defiance. You know, uh, look at us. You know, and uh, the dance music. You know, whether you like that kind of music now or whether you think it's it's twee or anything like that, or like sound, yeah. But at the time, you know, young kids were like made up with it yeah. and whatever. So um, two fingers up to everybody. 
great attitudes, you know, great great songs. Everyone bought them because they all went to number one. And then it, they, they kind of tailed off quite quickly, really, which was a great shame. But at the time, I remember in the media, such was the, um, you know, the way these um, bands come up. You know, like, I think about something. Um, we're going to talk about Damon with Faint Fake Praise here. So, it, you know, talking about before. And Bross came out. They were an explosion. And it was like, they were national news and they're on Wogan, they're on the news and whatever have you. And then five minutes later, they're off. Do you know what I mean? And that, that happens a lot in pop music. And Frankie Goes to Hollywood were more than that. And it's, I think it's a great shame that he didn't carry on and do loads of things. And I've heard, you know, Holly, it's, it's 40 years now, isn't it? And Holly Johnson's talking about stuff and, you know, going on to, you know, to, he did to do the stuff. did the thing at St George's Hall, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, uh, yeah, This year, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to think what month it is, but yeah. They, they were completely um, a moment in time. And for someone like my age, yeah. if, you, if you think about it, you know, you might go through it, you might have, like, loved T-Rex if at school you were in the 70s or whatever the group was at the time or whatever. But at the time... In, in from eighty four onwards, um, if you were talking about the year in view, whichever way you talked about it, politics, football, news, and whatever have you, Frankie goes to Hollywood is etched on your mind. Yeah, that was their impact that year. Yeah, they, they were such a mad gang when you when you see them, Neil. That that's what always sort of strikes me. And when when um, sorry, when uh, David says they sort of fizzled out, I always think, well, it's inevitable, you know what I mean? When you look at the, the, the characters, they were such a bad crew, but they were obviously united by this two yeah. fingers up thing that they sort of had, and they were from similar areas of the city, and, and they come together, and it burns brighter then, and then fizzles out, but but that's the way it goes sometimes. But I, I always think about, you know, the, the, the time it was, and, and, you know, having this very flamboyant, openly sort of gay front man who's, who's telling everyone to fuck off must have been sort of quite something at the time when you think about what the what the country was like and what government we had and, and all that it, mm. it, it must have been great I think yeah I'm like carried away with the idea of how great it must have been in the moment but also simultaneously how in a way sort of fucking terrifying it must have been including for Holly himself you know we can say well Holly went and did it and he was like that and that's the way in which he was but there'll be nights where he's thinking fuck it now yeah. this is absolutely on top not least because again to go back to the sort of the earlier theme he's you know he's quite a quite a normal person there's loads of stuff you know Trevor Horn and Paul Morley were involved and they're both interesting people separate and Morley's often sort of remarked since I've got the Wikipedia thing open here but Morley himself I think is always interesting that the the the, the that are really odd moments in time, the, the, not least because, and the other thing to point out is, the four singles in question, the one that gets to number two, they are, frankly, fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And they're also four quite disparate records. Mm. Oh, yeah, the power of love's nothing like, you no, know. No, yeah, the power relax, of love yeah. comes from fucking nowhere. Relax yeah, is different. Yeah. Relax is getting remixed by all sorts all over the place, and it's going global. And then you've got two tribes, which has got things in common with relax, but it doesn't really sound like relax, and it's not the same video. And then power of love comes in, you're like, fuck it now. And then they do something called Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Yeah, which is the song they played on the mm. George. So, and, yeah. and you think about that for a second and it really is like they're just basically basically those four songs in a th in, in another world for another band in another time are the lead single of four separate albums that sound like that album yeah. and instead they just fucking rattle through it there we go <laughs> there you are have that it's like they genuinely sort of condensed four albums worth of sheer brilliance yeah. into effectively one calendar year 
which is really, really mad. Not least because, as Damien says, they had to almost re-record bits to pull an album together. And it then sounds like something that's a bit different and a bit wild and mad. And then on top of that is, you know, the the Liverpudlian at the time where in this country you didn't want to fucking be Liverpudlian. And the gay at a moment where this country was still not coming to terms with the notion mm. there's tons and tons of homosexual people knocking around so they've got these two things going on on top of everything else and then they're getting the single banned by the BBC and then all this is going on and as I say you know Holly's attitude in public as it was very much fuck off but there's going to be a, a film about it I think and I can't wait to sort of see what's the underlying stuff because I'm sure the most important bit is the fuck off bit. Yeah. But there'll be times where th- he's probably thinking to himself, hang on, we're shifting all these fucking units. We could be all worth a fucking fortune forever. Things could be amazing. But I exist on an absolute knife edge here yeah. in terms of all this stuff. And then the, all the stuff that's going on in that period around AIDS, around HIV. Mm. And this is this is the context they're doing this in. I think it's it's an underrated Liverpool story yeah. in that. But also I think it's an underrated a British story and I think it's just sort of not least because of how clatteringly mad it is and how condensed it is it's an underrated story full stop it's not some sort of you know there's no neat fairy tale out of it either yeah. because they do all sorts of fallouts a little bit and there's no one makes a proper comeback at any point they all just have to go and get on with lives and they've been in loads of ways the, def- the last Certainly the, the the most defining British pop band of the 80s. Yeah. They've done all of that, but they did it in 1984. They didn't, didn't do it in 1988, where you could <laughs> then move into something, do something different in the 90s. Mm. That was it. This thing happened, and they fucking cut loose. And it's incredible, and it's remarkably punk in a hugely post-punk era. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the conscious of it, I went to, when we were on the Royal Course, I think it was December that year, absolutely peak of the part. I think it was 2.50 a second. And they made a big thing about it in the Echo saying, we know times are hard out there. We know people can't afford this. So it's 2.50 a ticket. So I went with me busy at the time. My father would be some us. So the days. And then when they released the second uh, album, it was called Liverpool. And they said, we're famous at the moment and we want the name of Liverpool to go around That's the great. world. Yeah. You know, so if you think about it, you know, they, they kept in touch yeah. with, the lo- with, with the local families. And of course, people are then going to start dialing it back. Well, you're going to do that for But you know, and, and people are always going to, but it, it felt genuine. It did, and they, they were just an explosion of energy at the time. I would use the word explosion advisedly, I think, and they done, they done all. They were quite happy. Whatever, whatever's going to work on the publicity, we're all in. And if it's going to get us in a bit of trouble, and if it's going to be controversial, and people aren't going to like it, it's kind of like it, it was completely unpunk, but punk in its attitude. You know, yeah. ju- just after that time, you know Absolutely. what I mean. So uh, the, the fondest of memories. I mean, I you know, I think I remember it was in our school. It was like. You were queuing up on the day the album was released outside the record shop to get it. And you were talking in school the next week. Did you get it? Oh, yeah, I've got it. And you weren't in if you hadn't got it on the day it was it was out. It was all you know. It was, it was all that thing. And, of course, that, that depends on where... That's all your time of what... What are you when you're in fifth year at school or year fucking whatever they call it now and have lost all the currency. But it, it was just like... It completely encapsulated that moment in time. And it was like... Liverpool was... Under siege, I think, in the media from the, from this country, as much as it ever has been at the time, and it, you know, and it was sort of like, ah, oh, you sort of like the line on the Beatles, you know, and we wish they were from somewhere else and whatever have you. But it was it was definitely just a question of saying we're here, and you might not like it, but like we're better than everybody else, and fuck you. And then it, then it, then it died quite quickly, which is it, it, it's kind of it's a shame, but it's also quite fitting into the story because it, it fits into the narrative. 
I think it's Boston done the little reunion thing and hopefully it oh, leads to a bit more without it, without it ever being like I sort of think they did it for themselves as well which is what I was into that's the impression I got yeah I don't there's, as I say there's, off the back of this there's the idea there's going to be a bit of a film around it and maybe there'll be one little bit of a go round but it doesn't need to be any more than that I don't think and also the idea of well I, I sort of like quite like the idea that they could and may well be and I'm, I'm making this up so I want to be really crystal clear because I don't know anyone like occasionally we bump into Nasher in town and it's always nice to see him and he, he's going the match sometimes in the lion yeah yeah, he's going the match and all that sort of stuff and he's knocking around the place so I don't want to act like I'm speaking for anyone here I sort of quite like the idea that they, they, they could manage to be mates but maybe couldn't really work together for any extended period of time because this really mad thing happened to them in 1984 and you never really get over it because it was so on top yeah. but I like the idea I like, I'd like the idea that they can you know be friends and if there was the idea of one go like I'd be absolutely fine with the idea that people go and get to see Frankie got live once and it's a big mad stage set, but they only play an hour. <laughs> so, you know, like, it's yeah. a, and you end up overpaying for your tickets and all that, and there'll be loads of fucking negative reviews. But as long as they did up front about it and went, listen, we're gonna come on, we're gonna do an hour. We're not gonna fuck around, we're gonna do it, and then we're gonna get off, and that's the way it's gonna work. And if you're gonna come, you're buying in. I'd be fine if they came out and sort of said that and gave it one go in a way that with most sort of semi-novelty things. Or novelty is the wrong word, but nostalgic things. Yeah. I'd be a bit like, it's not for me that I don't want any part of that. I'd just love to see what the fuck they did if they had a bit of budget and you gave them an hour now. I think they'd have a ball. Absolutely. Um, I want to tell a little bit of a story about Nash, if you let me, before we go. Um, so, Brian, I, I know a little bit, and, and you know a little bit, Damien. And Brian moved away from the city for a long time, uh, like they, they all basically did. Um, and he came up, and when he had a book out, he did, and Andy. Uh, got put on to him and he come and did the show when he had he, he bought a book out called Nasha Says Relax uh, and then and then he came in and then I didn't see him for ages and then when he come back up to Liverpool I got to know him a little bit through mutual friends so Ian Prowse from Amsterdam who I play with is really good mates with him from like the music scene and then also Joe Campbell who does bits of video stuff with what well, has in the past and um, I know him a little bit through Joe Joe's really close to him so it sort of run into him a little bit and then when, when my dad died um he, he spoke to me about it and he said, oh, Joe Campbell showed me, I put my eulogy online for people who come go to the, the funeral and um, and jo, he said, oh, Joe sent it to me. He said, I thought it was brilliant and I said, I don't know your dad, but I felt like I really got to know him through the eulogy. It was a really nice piece of writing. I was like, oh, that's, thanks very much. And Nasha is a celebrant now. So that's, for those who don't know, people who do, funerals and things like that but in a non-religious way so if you want you know a funeral and he says and he was telling me he does stuff like that now and and I said well we've got the ashes and I said I don't know what to do with them and he said if you ever scatter the ashes he says I'll do it for nothing he says I'll come and do it and I'll, 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 I'll do it for nothing and I said that's, that's amazing yeah, yes. that's an amazing thing to offer but it was in a we were having, it was in a drinking environment let's say when, when he sort of <laughs> said that and so I thought do you know what? I know him a little bit and we get on and we talk about the footy and stuff like that and he, and he knows him all right through the people that we both know but I thought I won't hold him to it. Do you know what I mean? But then I thought wouldn't it be great if he did it because my dad loved music. My dad's twin passions in life were footy and music and you know he'd, he'd even right up to he died he'd go to gigs more or less every week but on his own wouldn't he Kev yeah. do you know what I mean he'd, he wouldn't Loved be asked it. he'd just like go to a gig on his own if he wanted to go and see someone because he wouldn't you know and then he just he just go um, and so so I thought so wouldn't it be great though so to scatter my dad's ashes and have, and have fucking Brian Nash from Frankie Goes to Hollywood he's on three number one singles do it buzz off it so I thought well I'll ask him anyway and but I'll, I'll offer to pay him and so when we were ready to do it 
I got in touch with Nash and I had his number and said, can you, um, we're going to do it in Sefton Park, will you come and do it? And he said, yeah, of course. I remember promising, yeah, I'll come and it'll be an honour. And he come and, and I said, how much, how much do you charge? He said, no, I remember I said to you, I don't want, I don't want any money, we're going to do it. So I said, brilliant. So, so we come and done it. But it's funny because obviously, like, you'd invite people from my dad's life, and he's got like, my dad's from Cheltenham originally, so we have family come up, and uh, all the people who we used to work with in the Dingle and Garston and stuff all come. And then Brian Nash from Frankie goes to my and they're all a bit like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, doing it. But it was great, and he was brilliant. And honestly, if anyone ever, he's available to hire, if anyone ever, you know, I mean, hopefully, hopefully you don't, but uh, let's face it, it all comes to all of us, doesn't it? But, you you know, if 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 he, 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 this is job now, it's, it's it's what he does, and he loves it. He loves being part of these things. But he was absolutely brilliant. But I remember stood there in the rain in Sefton Park, unfortunately, thinking like my dad would buzz yeah, off this. Yeah, people Buzz off it. Do you know what I mean? And Brian, and he was great, and he was speaking, and he was talking about the eulogy. And there's this line. I did this line in the eulogy about my dad's speedos. And for anyone who knew me, dad, they'll get, he'll get the they'll get the joke because mm. he was the, the size of a man who shouldn't be in speedos. <laughs> but but he didn't let that. No, societal norms were were for him, and so so he to me you loved that in the eulogy, and he, and he mentioned it in the thing. You just thought that was hilarious, but but I I'd always, I always thought I owe I owe Nash a real debt here. He wouldn't take any money, but like I'm the kind of person if someone does something like that for me, I remember it. So anyway, if you fast forward about a year when they did the show at St George's Hall, Mark the bass player from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Um, he lives in America and has done for, for for ever since. Frankie goes to Hollywood, moved to LA. You know, like Neil said before, this mad thing happened and he just wants to, to fuck off. So he moved to LA and is quite successful now in what he does. I think he does like composing for like TV and film and stuff like that. And he's done well and he's just his own man. He's just Mark in LA now. Uh, the, you know, the British fellow who does this. And but he, but he was over and he'd not been to Liverpool for 20 years and obviously not been for a match. And, and, and Nasha got in touch with me and said, I don't even know how to get tickets now, John. Can you get me two tickets so I can go to the game with Mark? He said, I mean lots. He's not been for a game for over 20 years. I want to go to the game with him. He said, I'll pay you. And I said, all right, mate, and I thought, there's not a fucking problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take any money from you. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the tickets. In fact, they ended up on my two season tickets and I'd give them. And fucking trying to sort this mark on friends and family, honestly. <laughs> 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 the club don't make it easy. And in the end, if anyone from the club's listening, I apologise. But in the end, they just give me Bert's phone and went, and went Laura, just fucking, just, you're not having a phone for four hours deal with it mm. and so we're just giving me Bird's phone and he went in with Dan and met him and he was a lovely fella and them two went for the match together and then afterwards we were in the pub and he went what did I owe you and I went nothing and he looked at me like pissed off and he's quite scary Nasha do you know what I mean he's quite mm. you know he's lovely but you know he's quite he's a presence you won't you mm. won't want to cross him mm. and he looked at me and went that's not what we agreed like that like dead angry and I went I do not give a fuck lad. I'm not taking any money for it and he got it then he got mm. it in the moments and said oh, alright alright and stuff like that but I thought there's not often when you know when someone does something very very kind to you that you get to yeah. give it back because normally like the way the world mm. works it, it, it doesn't it doesn't align itself like that you'll always say oh you're grateful if there's anything I can do but I thought that's great I've been able to you know these two fellas who 
to be honest, might not see each other again now. Do you know what I mean? But they got to have this moment watching watching their team together, mm. like because I've managed to sort it. So I was made up because obviously he'd done an incredible thing for me. But he's a wonderful man, Brian Nash. And if you ever see him in the pub, buy him a beer because he deserves them all. Well, uh, to his great credit, there just on top of him, that, that's, that's a lovely story that and you, you, you've just explained it there. I've only seen him a couple of times in the Lion, and he is the most unassuming fella. Yeah, and he's conquered the world. Yeah. He did, didn't he? At the peak of his powers, like he would have been one of the most famous people on the planet as far as anyone in the lion was concerned. And he just sits there in the background and you know he doesn't want anything from anyone. He's just a face, having a bevy, doing him, you know, carrying on with himself and whatever. So not only is he a kind guy, He's living, he's living it as well. So from someone, I've only ever glimpsed him a couple of times. I don't want to bother him, you know, whatever it is. And whatever. And, he, and he's just like an easy soul as well. So that, that was a lovely story. But, you know, from someone looking at it from the outside of that and what a heartwarming story that was about how much that, how much that was meant to hear about, you know, your, your dad's funeral and that. He's, he just carries himself that way. Yeah. 10 out of 10. And it wasn't in a bad band either. Mm. Um, there we go. That's been Alphabet C, but it's the best show. It's it? fucking telling you, lad. Swear the rest of them. We'll just go round and round for them. Sports Social Podcast Network.